podcast, Coping with COVID-19 from the journalists at Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. The pandemic prompted a lot of economic disruption, of course, and while we focused much attention on the impact on businesses directly, we haven't looked as much at the consumer picture, the spending side and the debt side. We're getting our first real picture of the pandemic's effects with the release of quarter data on consumer credit. And not surprisingly, there were immediate changes in behavior. Bill Johnson is the Vice President of Data and Analytics at Equifax Canada, one of the leading firms that examines data and provides companies with a lot of advice on such matters as credit and debt and those kinds of scores. Good to have you with us. Nice to be with you. Well, let's start. Uh, You know, the coronavirus was approaching us for months but there was a point in March when it seemed everyone around us just understood we had to shut the doors and stay inside. So what did the consumer do then? That's where we saw the pivot. So when we looked at January, February data, things were okay. You know, we, we get a lot of credit inquiries when you go shop for a car, or credit card, you know, people will come to us and get your credit file. Our numbers were, you know, in line and, and we're growing and, you know, kind of had followed the same trend. And then mid-March came and shutdown started. And so we saw a big shift in consumer behavior where they were looking for less credit, using credit cards significantly less than they had been. And so that's where we really saw the change in behavior. Uh, it was really, wasn't really until the shutdown started. Is it, is it uh, do you think, fear, uh, just restraint, uh, prudence? What, 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 mixture of all those things? A little bit of everything, really. I think part of it's just there was nowhere to go shop. And so, you know, getting new credit cards wasn't important. Getting, you know, a new car wasn't important was when auto dealers were closed. And so part of it was just the, the availability to go actually and do things. And then I think there was a bit of a fear, particularly in the first few weeks around what will the impact be? Who's going to have layoffs? You know, what will the government response be? And so, it was really a mixture, but it wasn't necessarily all fear-driven, and, and that's partly why you know the recovery may be okay because um, yeah. I don't think this was people just out of fear. Yeah, I want to get back to that uh, psyche uh, bit a little later on, but uh, you mentioned right away that that it wasn't all that clear on how government was going to weigh in right away with what how substantial it was going to be about any of this. Did consumers keep their cool, or did they did they start turning? to look for debt to for support we we saw very little of that and and it was definitely one of our concerns was were people going to use credit cards and lines of credit in particular to help the first few weeks and we did not see that and and credit card spending in particular was down significantly Uh, and so we didn't see any real turn and that's that was our biggest concern and we didn't see a turn to credit to help through those early weeks people were able to get through the first little while um, really without having to worry about that. So they probably turned to their savings, but, but did, did consumers reach out, say, for new lines of credit and new instruments to you know, give them some kind of safety net if, uh, if the worst started to happen? Or, or did they just, again, you know, say someone's going to take care of this? I think the biggest change was really this idea of payment deferrals. And so where we definitely yeah. saw a lot of demand was people phoning their FIs and saying, hey, can I you know, defer my, my mortgage payments for, for three months or six months. And so that's where we definitely saw a strong reaction uh, was people just looking for those payment help uh, as opposed to getting new credits. So that was really a very, very significant tool for them in the early days. 
Yeah. This was the first decline that you've, you've noted uh, in average balances in a decade, in a decade. Um, um, you know, I, I take it back about 11 years to, to, you know, the 11 or 12 years to the 2008 meltdown. And is this typically what happens when there's a significant economic event or, or was the arrival of the pandemic a little different? The pandemic was definitely different. And so even, even in the, the, the financial crisis, we didn't really see declines in credit use. I mean, people continued to use and probably you saw a little bit more of that using credit as a, as a crutch. Mm-hmm. I think in this case, and a lot of it really had to do with the retail shutdown is because I didn't have places to spend and I didn't have to buy gas because I wasn't going to a, you know, a, a place of work. I think that ability to really reduce your spending really helped mitigate this time. Whereas in the financial crisis, but honestly, there was a bit of a turn to, to credit to help out, especially in those kind of early days yeah. of, yeah. of the downturns. Of course, you know, most people still have their work um, and, and some are rolled back on wages and, and reduced hours and so on. But work is still there. But what do you think the effect of the government programs have been on essentially preventing people from getting too far away from their limits around around credit, around debt? We definitely think it's been a help. I mean, one of the things that was, was very evident was, you know, younger people in particular were most impacted by this. And, and so I'd say kind of your, your vulnerable kind of employees, you know, service-based, food, you know, retail. Um, and we haven't really seen them really have any challenges. Their, their delinquency rates haven't gone up in the week since. Um, they've been paying down their credit cards, their credit, actually young people had the biggest, the most significant decline in their credit card use. And so we haven't seen kind of any of that concern. And part of the fact is that things like Curb have helped to offset some of that. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I want to explore that, the generational and demographic differences that you've noticed in the data. Um, why do you, apart from CERB and other other types of programs, why didn't we see a lot of younger borrowers um, trip up in this situation? Again, I think a lot of it was that there wasn't a lot to do. There wasn't places to go spend. You weren't going to build, you know, buy a new trip to, to Jamaica or Mexico. You know, these kind of big ticket items sort of weren't on the table right now. And so there wasn't this push or demand. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some relief programs. You know, a lot of the younger people, particularly those impacted with with the most significant job losses typically aren't homeowners or typically renters. And so I think there was an opportunity here where they didn't have to worry about going out and buying a lot of stuff. And so there is a period of time where the shutdown actually kind of helped them at least not having to go out and buy a lot of things or, you know, go buy things just because they could. Yeah. Mortgage activity, of course, continued to grow. Was that just a, a, a lag from, you know, numbers that have been growing all along uh, pre-pandemic? Yeah, and, and there's always a bit of a delay. So I buy my house in February, but the mortgage I don't I don't get till I close in March. And so we know some of that just had to do with the fact that we had a really strong demand kind of going into 2020 for mortgages. Um, we also saw strong mortgage refinance activity, especially as the Bank of Canada sort of slashed their, their interest rates. And so, you know, what we saw was mortgage did decline. We, we definitely saw a decline in volume kind of late, very, very late March and into April. Um, and it's really seen a bit of a recovery. And so as markets reopen and, you know, home sales were fairly strong, 
in the last month, you'll start to see mortgage kind of recovering a little quicker. There's an interesting piece of British Columbia data in all of this that I want your view on it. Our, our province has been leading the country in the growth of debt delinquency. What's happening there? Well, the good news is it's because you're also the lowest. So, you know, you're, you're <laughs> yeah. coming out very, very low levels. And so BC has been a really strong market. Part of what happened, you know, particularly as your housing markets load, actually your credit growth in general slowed. So we, even non-mortgage debt was slowing or just not growing as quickly as some other markets. And so that kind of leads to some delinquency as well, just, just by mathematical equation. And so overall, BC is performing very well, and its delinquency rates are still at very, very low levels, especially on the mortgage side. It's actually very, very low. And so not right, a concerning point, but it was a trend even pre-COVID that we've been tracking for a while. So we haven't suddenly become irresponsible. No, actually, if anything, the fact that your credit growth had been slowing and moderating were actually a sign that you were you were changing, adjusting to your marketplace. So it's okay. actually quite a positive trend. So, yeah. You know, well, we seem to flatten the curve fastest in Canada. We might as well yeah, deal with that as well, too. Um, so your data indicates that the trends moved into April as well into the into the second quarter. Um, and you say you think the worst is behind us. What, what do you think that spells out now as we, we start to reopen the economy across the country? I mean, I think the first positive thing is that there may not be a big psychological break. So we are starting to see, you know, demand for auto and demand for mortgages coming back. And so it was one of the areas that we were watching for. Auto, auto had been relatively modest for the last year or so where we saw new car sales flatten out. Um, but we're starting to see it come back, and it's still not back to the previous levels, but it was one of the hardest hit groups uh, kind of March, early April, and we're seeing that coming back almost to normal um, alongside mortgage. So we're starting to see particularly things that are a little bit bigger ticket coming back a little faster than I think we would have expected, uh, you know, at least at the, the depths of this in, in early April. And, and does, the, um, does the acceleration of things like online shopping um, to, you know, to really kind of suggest that the consumer won't take as long to come back as, you know, as, as we almost did to fall in to the pandemic uh, closures. We do expect a pretty decent recovery. I, I think we, we started to see some shift from offline to online. You know, we, we had some credit card data that we were looking at. Um, but I, I think you will start to see as jobs come back online and as, re, as retail starts to open back up, we may not get back to the levels we were in January, February, but I don't think we'll see the depths we're at now. So I, I do think we'll see a strong read through the summer, um, both in terms of credit card spending and, and again, in the auto mortgage markets, we do expect to see a pretty decent recovery. Yeah. The one area, and maybe I'm not sure if this is in, in your bailiwick or not, but I've been really surprised that uh, there hasn't been a grand growth in credit cards that will basically take all of your large debt and consolidate it into lower, almost no interest at all. Uh, people have been rather surprised at that. People have consolidated their debt into lower instruments and have continued to carry credit card debt that can be, you know, can be rather high in all of this. What, what do you think is going on there? It's just been a trend that's been around for a long time. I mean, it, I used to I used to manage lines of credit years ago, and we always expected people to just take their credit card balance and put it on the lines of credit. And so, 
I think people really compartmentalize their debt and don't always think about that. And when they think debt consolidation, it tends to be, you know, one big bang that I do a whole bunch at once. And they don't always think about moving between different credit instruments. Um, and it's an education process. It's something that, you know, over time people can start to learn, but it's probably not something that we always teach people, particularly young people, as they yeah. start to learn how to use credit. Sure. Uh, last last question. You know, I wonder what you've seen out of all of this data and, and the behavioral uh, patterns around it to suggest how people might might have changed uh, almost permanently in terms of their their own habits. Are there any things that you're picking up on that you think will be permanent, you know, the post post pandemic or as we move along through the pandemic and and feel a little bit more open about uh, economic activity? No, I mean, I think we haven't seen anything that we think will be a long-term impact where people have will just from a psychological perspective, not really want to get back into markets. We do think there'll be a decent recovery. We do think it'll look at a little bit different. So things like travel are going to take much longer to recover. And so I think that's one where psychology will play a part. Um, but, you know, as jobs come back, I think you will start to see people coming back into their previous behavior and, and actually probably catching up a little bit. So that's why I think there will be a pretty solid recovery, at least through the summer. I think the challenge will be what's the discussion around a second or third wave? Um, mm -hmm. And does that start to make people say, well, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to run up credit right now because if there's a second wave, I want to be ready. Um, yeah. So don't think we'll get right back to where we were pre pre COVID, but we do think we'll get a pretty decent recovery. That said, I think there will be some sub segments of people who will be a little longer, a little slower to recover, particularly younger people. Those people are in the service industries where jobs won't recover as quickly, probably will take longer uh, to get back to normal in terms of their spending behavior and, and kind of their use of credit. Yeah. Very interesting discussion, Bill. You know, you're sitting on top of a lot of interesting data right now and uh, hope to get back in touch with you as we, uh, we get through this and maybe even toward that second wave, understand what we're, uh, what we're starting to enter again. I want to appreciate uh, your, your yeah. time today and uh, we'll talk to you again. Great. Thank you. Bill Johnson is the Vice President of Data Analytics at Equifax Canada. You've been watching Coping with COVID-19, the daily business podcast from BIBM. Thanks a lot for watching.